will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. You better believe it. I love that, Bruce. Life Amen. After Addiction. Yes, sir. Episode 9. You better believe it, baby. There is Life After Addiction. Episode 9. Today, we're talking about something that has Bruce and I fired up, and it's very important. I say that every episode, but we're talking about a stigma. The stigma of addiction recovery, and and even in the secular world, Bruce, last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in Nashville all week doing that certified peer recovery specialist training. It was training done by the state of Tennessee, and even there, they're talking about how to put to bed the stigma. Bruce, what is a stigma in the world of addiction recovery? Well, I'm glad you asked, Adam. (laughs) And I went through that same CPRS training. That you did, and yeah, it's, first of all, let me just say, stigma is bad, okay? Okay, okay it's bad. <laughs> it, it doesn't do any good. Right. Uh, and so, and I, I will say that just in defense of, of everybody who's trying to help people in recovery, because uh, everybody will say, man, we, we don't believe in the stigma, we're trying to overcome the stigma and this kind of stuff. And I know you got something to say about this, so I'm not going to rob your thunder on that. But <laughs> but stigma is not good. I mean, it, it, it's not going to help anything. And it, it goes along, it's almost parallel with stereotypes. So yeah. a stereotype feeds stigma. And so, you know, today we could say that, man, the, the statistics are that addiction affects everyone, all walks of life. It doesn't matter race, gender, ethnicity, you know, uh, culture, uh, status. I mean, we, we get... Doctors that come into our program, we get pastors, right? Which I'll make a point of in just a minute, including in, in, in talking about stigma. But uh, you can't place a stereotype of what you think an addict is yeah. based off the news or movies, or that everybody lives under a bridge and that we're you know all shooting needles in our arms and and we're robbing the the, the stores and 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 this kind of thing. So because if you do that, then what you're doing is you're hurting. The, the recognition of other people and other people won't come out uh, to get help because they'll think, well, that's what everybody's going to think of me when I go to ask for help. Yeah. Like you are the, the damaged goods of society right. is what that stigma is, right? Yeah. That so stereotype is. Yeah. And so, cause that's not going to be helpful for anybody and trying to help them. But, and I will say this too, man, just all fairness, like even the church, uh, yeah. They they themselves believe in these stigmas, and I I man I have one story of a guy I teach a class at my church, uh, and it's, it's the same curriculum we teach at the at the program, right. the ministry. And I had a guy come in who wasn't a member of our church. He came from another church, and I asked him how he heard about this, and he said that uh, it was only after he went for help at his church where they told him that they didn't want to deal with that for him to go somewhere else, get help, and then come back. Yeah that he found out about my class over at this other church. And so, man, the church can be just as wrong as anybody else and placing these stigmas in that we're dirty, broken, unrepairable, can't be fixed, can't trust, all this kind of stuff. And so, man, you first have to have a belief, a hope, if you will. And that's where we come from in the the Christ uh, model is that, man, there's hope in everything, even what you think of me. Yeah. Yeah, man, and, and and I think that the like the story you just gave of 
the guy coming to your church, the pastor saying, hey, go clean up, then come back. And from what I've seen and I've heard other uh, pastors in the addiction recovery world talk about this, it's so interesting. Like, for example, our facility, we have guys from all over the country, uh, the world, hey, hey, all over the country. Uh, and when it's time for them to go back and they have have this newfound faith in Christ and we're wanting to plug them into a church, the sad reality is, is when you when you call these churches, these pastors, it's like, all right, what do I do? What do you want me to do with them? And I mean, it's like... <laughs> Disciple them, man, I guess. And, <laughs> Treat them like everybody else in your church. <laughs> disciple them. Show them growth just like you would with the the person that came and confessed adultery or a liar or hopefully you have that going on at your church. And then, you know, other times you'll hear, and I've heard this said too by, by pastors, that they get this response. Well, I got an AA meeting at my church on Thursdays. Perfect. Have them come to my church. It's like, oh, okay. Well, well who's running the AA meeting? Uh, a group, a group of people, a group from the AA Society. Well, are they Christians? I don't know. It's like what? Wait, wait, wait. So it's not just the the stigma of we want you to clean up before you come back, but it's also just we don't know what to do. The church doesn't know what to do, right? Uh, and people don't know what to do because there is this thought process of this: you are damaged goods. You are this villainized addict. Yeah. Well, I would just say, man, it all boils down to. Judgment, you know, we're like judging each other, and you first have to approach this with man your your faith. You know, we're all broken. We all have problems. None of us are perfect. Yeah. And what makes my addiction any different than your addiction of pornography or of money of sex? <laughs> How your children come first before everything, you know, how, how all these things that we put in front of God, how am I any different? Other than the fact, I will say this, that the consequences, uh, the circumstances based off of my decisions versus your decisions and what you're doing in sin, right, could be more devastating. Absolutely, and it probably affects others uh, in a very in-your-face kind of way, right? Uh Sin affects everyone around you, regardless of the sin, whether you know it or not. But addiction, they feel that a lot more. Yeah, and I, I, I admit that there's that. But at the same time, I mean, where is your faith? Where are you putting your hope into? I mean, sin's consequences affect everybody. I don't care what the sin is. What makes my sin different than your sin? Yeah. I mean, we're all choosing idolatry. We're putting things before God. We're prostituting ourselves by making cheap substitutes for the real thing. And and this is not just my words. This comes from Scripture, right? Yeah. This is what we're doing. And so the stigma of, well, I have to treat you differently because of your sin than I would somebody else, uh, might, might be true in the sense of how I can help you, but not true in the sense of how you're accepted and how you should be loved on and how you should be treated yeah. And so the big picture answer or reason of why we're talking about stigma is because when there's a stigma or as Bruce identified a stereotype, there's this separation. There's this not anyone else going to help because there's a separation because I have a presupposition of what that person is. And so it's awful. The stigma is and, – and, and really just speaking to the church because Bruce and I love the church – we want to say these kind of things, have these kind of conversations because we want to embolden, we want to encourage the church. Hey, the same way you would disciple someone, if you're truly discipling anyone, 
it's messy. Messy. Absolutely. And then it's the same way with addiction, man. You're going to get lied to. You're going to get manipulated. There's going to be situations from these guys, but you're not in it to like cure them. You're just discipling them to Christ, and Christ cures. Yeah, here's, here's the facts, right? The facts are, and I think this survey was done in 2015, but one in out of eight people that sit in the church pew on Sunday mornings are still struggling with addiction. Yeah, that's the reality. You just don't know it. And you're identifying other people that you think based off of stigma who you think are struggling with addiction, but you have no idea who really is. And that's that's the facts. Yeah. So so here's my answer, just in a nutshell. Well, Adam, what do I do? What do you tell the one that comes to you in tears and they've cheated on their spouse? You tell them to repent, turn to God, you set up boundaries in place that they're not going to put themselves in these situations. You encourage them with the Word of God. You draw them to the Word of God. You draw them to Christ. That's what you do when a drug addict knocks on your door. Mm-hmm. Repent, turn, encourage, grow, read God's Word. And here's the thing when it comes to stigma, man, I'll just, I'll just say this. Like I said in the opening, even the kind of the secular world is, is coming against this stigma, Right, like at the meeting I had, it's just like we got to battle the stigma, battle the stigma. But the problem is, man, outside of a biblical worldview approach to addiction, if if the approach is incurable, which is the world's approach, which is the medical, the secular, the AA, the NA, the twelve steps, that it's incurable. If that's your approach, then you are a part of the problem of the stigma. Why do I say that, you might ask? Thank Tell you. Tell me. I will. The, the reason that you're a part of the problem is because if I'm Joe Schmo and all I know about a drug addict is what I see on TV and he's robbed the liquor store or he's robbed someone for dope or he's done this or he stole a car on a crack binge or a meth binge or whatever you see, the devastation, which is reality of what happens in addiction, it can. And that's all I know of that. And someone comes to me and or I hear, hey, I'm Jim and I'm an addict. What? All my pre-sups are going towards this person who's an addict, and I know that they're a thief, they're a liar, they're doing this. They're, I'm, I'm on guard. That's why you're a part of the problem when you're saying this. is a, No, 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 that's not what we say, Adam. We say that we're a recovering addict. Oh, okay, so Joe Schmo from the recovering addict circumstance, he's supposed to be like, oh, okay, well, what level are you on that recovering process? So are you, you uh, are still, you're not a thief anymore and you're not doing drugs, but maybe you're still a liar. Okay, so are you recovering, <laughs> right? I don't, I don't know which one to say. Yeah, don't forget, it's incurable, yeah, so yeah. I don't care how yeah. many years you've got clean yeah. time. You can still go back to that thief, that liar, that, you know. Yeah, so you're all, that, so you're a part of the problem of the stigma when you are saying this is incurable. And I'm radical and I say, cured. I'm cured. Bruce is cured. Cured. That's different. When I'm cured and Bruce is standing before me today and he's not an addict, man, I take all the stigma away because I'm not talking to a drug addict, right? I'm not talking to someone who is a thief and a liar and a manipulator and does all these things. I'm talking to Bruce. Yeah, and let, huh? me, let me say this too, in all fairness. Even the person who identifies as the addict who believes in the same stigma, right? Incurable, always going to be an addict. It's a disease, right? Will also contribute to the stigma and say, man, I've got a disease, man. Yeah. You can't judge me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a disease. It's not my fault, man. Yeah, so what am I supposed <laughs> to do if I've never battled addiction? I don't know anything about it except for what I hear. And a dude tells me that. 
you're not going to, I'm not going to give you my wallet, man. You're, you know, you're not going to have the keys to my house. You're not, uh, there's, I'm going to have, I'm, you, I'm going to be separated from you because you're telling me you're a drug addict. And I know from what I see and what I hear, that's what drug addicts do. So what did I say the problem with stigma was? There's this separation from people that aren't going to help because they don't want to get hurt and they want to protect themselves and their families. To whereas if, what if you talked about someone who is, who is cured or who is restored, who is new in Christ, you could then see them still broken, still struggling, but wait, you're not that anymore. Okay, so you're not going to steal from anymore. No, man, I'm not. No, no, yeah. I'm struggling, yeah. you know? I would say, man, you can even relate it to this level in that we, we, we classify each other as good people or bad people, right? And we hear it all the time. You know, it's like, he's a good person. You know, I mean, yeah, he does these things, but he's a good person. Yeah. I mean, in general, he's a good person. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll never forget a pastor one Sunday, like just up on the stage, just addressing the congregation said, man, there's going to be a lot of good people in hell. Yeah. And man, that just really resonated with me because it goes back to identity. And what do we call good? What do we consider good? And man, do you realize that most of the people that even fit the stigma of living under a bridge, homeless, you know, putting needles in their arm, you know, robbing from each other just to feed their addiction, you know, because that used to be me, man. Yeah, like I, I walked that life. Yeah, but that wasn't always me. Yeah, I mean, I was a, a very functional professional. I made a lot of money. I, I went to college. I'm a war veteran, yeah. combat war veteran. I, I was a good person, but you would never know that by looking at the condition in which I had caused for myself. Yeah. But that still didn't mean I wasn't a good person. Yeah. Right? It, it's all depending on how you place your stigma on what is yeah. good, you know? Yeah. And and so it's like, wow. I, I mean, and this goes back to the facts I was sharing a minute ago and that one out of every eight persons sitting in your church pew is still struggling with addiction. Yeah. And you have no idea because you're, you're basing it off a stereotype. And you don't even know the things to look for in order to help somebody. Yeah. I mean, and as a pastor, I mean, how are you how are you uncovering secret sin already in people? Yeah. How are you bringing people into the light out of the darkness already? Yeah. I mean, that's the same approach that you would do with addiction. Yeah. And you say, well, I don't know what to do. Okay, well, first let's expose what's happening and do it out of love and with always the, the, the goal of helping somebody. And then, yeah, get informed. Who can you send them to? Who do they need to talk to? Uh, because I have also seen, you know, pastors apply things in the wrong way. And it's like, man, you just need to get it in the Word. Yeah. And, and you, then you'll be saved. And you won't be an addict anymore. And all those, although that's true, it isn't necessarily what they need at that moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, and I, I totally agree. And I think, again, the stigma, uh, another part of the stigma uh, that, that is so damaging is not only do people not know how to deal with it because there's that separation, but because of fear of that separation in your family, because of the stigma, no one talks about it. You got to keep it really quiet. It's in the closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, Johnny, my son Johnny, he's not easy. Let him wear that mask. I'm not going to talk to about that no. at church. I'm not going to. I'm not going to really 
where I'm dying inside because he just stole from us again. Maybe nobody will see this giant elephant in the room. Yeah, I don't know where he is. He's on a binge, and I'm not going to go to my church and seek counsel because it's breaking my heart because of the stigma. I don't want to be dirty. I don't want to be damaged goods. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Like We haven't talked about that part yet. Yeah. It's it's the people who aren't even in addiction that they're afraid of that stigma being applied to them. That's right. That association. Kind of association. Wow. So the stigma is the stigma's got to die. I mean, just n- not saying – don't hear Bruce and I say that addiction is okay. Just like we're not saying adultery is okay. <laughs> but if you don't have confession and repentance and from our worldview, which is biblical worldview, if there's not confession and repentance, then we're, we're wasting our time. Like what, what are we doing? If, if you haven't turned to God in a way to confess this and repent from it, and, and there's all this talk, man. And again, I'm going to come back to it that the secular world is a part of the problem of addiction because what do they say in their meetings? Amenity. Hey, yeah. we're not going to talk about what you. What happens in these meetings? You don't say – you don't mummer a word outside of these walls. How in the world are people supposed to know that people are, are living life if you don't mummer a word? Don't say who you saw here. And I get it. No, 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 let me stop. I get it. Man, people's careers could be damaged, stuff like that. But that's just common sense, man. Like to the person, if I have to tell a person, hey, man, you know, don't talk about some of the things we said here on your Facebook page or to my boss at work or just publicly. Some things are private. If I have to tell them that, then me telling them that isn't going to work anyway. It's common sense. And I'm just different. I'm living a different life. Yeah, it's. It's like it, – it, it, I, so I get the need for – there's some privacy to be respected, but that's just common sense. you know. And the fact that one of our rules is amenity doesn't mean that the person without common sense isn't going to break that anyway. So, hey, I'm freed. I'm cured. I'm proud of it. I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Yeah. That's going to help with the stigma. They see Pastor Bruce and Pastor Adam as crazy as we are. We're not drug addicts anymore. That's hope. That's hope yeah. for people that are going through it that, that kills the stigma of addiction. Yeah. One of the things we do in our ministry with guys who come to us uh, seeking recovery is, man, it is messy. And and the idea or the thought that once a person's in recovery, everything's all good, like it's going to work itself out. Yeah. I mean, you haven't been involved in a recovery program helping men and which I wish we had a lot more volunteers that were willing to do that because the stigma, they're not willing to get involved. Oh, then they'll know who I am. Maybe they'll find out where I live. Maybe they'll come and rob from me. Or, right. you know. But the thing is, man, when, when somebody messes up, right, we have to show the same grace yeah. that God showed us. Yeah. And that as long as there's confession, you know, yeah. if, you do, if you'll just admit what you did, which we already know, then we'll have grace for you. Yeah, and man, the consequences of what you did isn't what you think when you confess. Yeah, and regardless and it, of the confidence, like true confession and true repentance is, I'm gonna confess to this regardless what happens to me. Yeah, I'm not like the consequence isn't the reason I'm confessing. And, and Bruce, that's the end of our time about stigma, but that leads into our question uh, from a listener uh, from Wisconsin. Matt from Wisconsin asked this. Uh, because we're running out of time. We're trying to respect that, but that's a perfect segue. He says this, after you are saved, 
Discuss the spiritual highs and lows you encounter for the months and years to follow. Did you ever stumble, relapse? And if so, how did you deal with it? And like you just said, man, when you're discipling people, it's messy. People are going to mess up. How would you deal with it? Yeah. What does that look like? Well, first of all, you have to approach your life uh, as a Christ follower that you're not going to be perfect. And somebody might say, well, hold on a minute. The Bible says you have to be perfect because I'm perfect. This is coming from God. And that is true. But our perfection comes from Christ. That when God sees me now saved, he sees me covered in the blood of Christ. He sees perfection. That's, that's why he can call me righteous, a saint, no longer blame, blame, blameless, no longer condemned. And so my perfection doesn't come from me. It comes from the thing I have faith in. And so I'm not going to be perfect. I am going to mess up. Having there's another stigma. Oh, when you get saved, everything's a bowl full of cherries. You know, it's like no, and the world still is the same. It didn't, that that stuff didn't change. You know, what's changing is inside of me. Yeah, and so I'm still going to make mistakes. And what do I do when I make those mistakes? Well, hopefully, what's happening is God is growing you, and the mistakes you used to make are now not the same mistakes you're making now. But let's just say you know you do relapse. I mean, what do you do with that? Well, you have to look at identity in that, in that unlike some other programs, right, that says, okay, you've got to start all over again. You've got to go back to day one. Uh, you've got to receive your first chip or a key tag or whatever that is. And, oh, by the way, you can't say anything for the first 30 days while you're at these meetings because there's just kind of some kind of shaming involved with this, you know, that everything that you build up to that point is lost. Mm-hmm. And you have to start all over again. But that is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says, Jesus is like, I knew you were going to make a mistake. Yeah. That's why I died for you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that you can get back up and you can turn back to God. You can confess and you can keep going and you're, you, nothing is lost. Yeah. And you don't have to identify with that thing that you just did. And I don't care what it is, whether it's relapse or I, I did something to somebody or I was unfaithful to this or I lied or I stole a pencil from my boss or whatever you want to say, right? Uh, And you don't treat it flippantly. I mean, Paul even addresses this because people would say, well, if I keep sinning, isn't that glorify God even more because grace has to be given? It's like, no. Paul says, no, by no means, right? You don't take it flippantly like that. You, You do your earnest to please God and to make changes in your life, and you grow, and you become more mature in your faith. And man, I'll tell you that five years later from where I used to be, before I was living for Christ and walking in this new faith, uh, man, I'm not struggling with the same things that I struggled with before. Yeah. And that is only because I'm willing to grow. And so what happens if you relapse again? Well, man, I would say, look at what you're doing currently. Why is that still happening? Are you making a commitment yeah. to do something that is different than the way Why it used you used to be? Why did you choose that idol? Yeah, and so, of- if man, if, if I say I'm cured, I say I'm living a life for Christ, but I'm still doing the same things I was doing before, then, man, am I really all in? Am I, have I really surrendered? At, you know, why do these things keep happening? And one of the things that we teach uh, at, at, as a kind of a complement to the, the, the curriculum, and it's just it's called the four pillars. And the reason that we teach these things, Matt, as you know, man, um, Jesus says, it's a promise, 
in this world, you will have trouble. And that's not might. That's not could. That's you will. That's yeah, a promise. Yeah, in fact, Peter says, don't be surprised or act if something strange is happening. <laughs> and so here's the thing, man, that, that I mean, I, I come to a place of just hear my heart. Man, we're going to lose people that we love. People are going to die. Um, man, our kids, they're going to do things that are just to break our hearts. Injustices will happen to us. And so there's going to be trouble, man. Um, and, and inside of that, if you turn to that idol, uh, even though you shouldn't have, yeah, get back on your feet. But here's the thing, too. That's only half the verse. And the reason that we say to do these four pillars on a daily basis is to kind of prepare us for that trouble that comes. That's promised. That's only half the verse. In this world, you will have trouble. I believe it's a comma. It might be a... It might be a Hyphen. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Go back two episodes to identity. If your identity is in Christ, take heart. I've overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world. He, he's conquered death. He's, he's diminished sin. He paid for it. Your righteousness is now tied with Christ. He's taken. So dive into him, yeah. be in him to help prevent I, these things. I think one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible is resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right. Right. That's not the whole verse. Right. And actually, I think it's two verses, but they're meant to be used together. So it says, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Then. You've got to humble yourself and, and be honest. It, you know, God asks us to examine ourselves all the time. Bring what is still in the dark out of the light. Expose it. Am I really doing all that I can? Yeah, yeah. So, Matt, that's it. It's kind of the long of the short, short of the long. I don't know which one. Uh, great questions. Man, keep them coming. Keep these questions coming. Also, as we're hitting episode nine, hey, shoot us an email at the email that's about to be said at the end. Uh, let us know if this is helping. Let us know if we should keep going or just shut her down. <laughs> no, we want to know your feedback. Life after addiction. Love you guys. Be good. Life after addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. It's a crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Katherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.